I've got a teddy because when we chat about really controversial, uncomfortable, awkward stuff, it's always nice to have the teddy. Because uh, on this side is a worldwide medical pandemic virus. And imagine if that one of those hit the world. Imagine what would happen. And let's say hypothetically you knew that there was going to be a worldwide medical pandemic virus that was going to go across the world. And you were a leader, a politician, a government official, some kind of public health guru. Um, we hear that a lot, don't we? Public health advice. <laughs> so what if you were the person responsible for giving public health advice uh, for an upcoming worldwide medical crisis? And then when you have a look at all of those words, I have to ask the question, uh, when we say negative words, when we say scary words, when we talk about tough stuff, even by me saying I'm going to talk about uh, something that's controversial, uncomfortable and awkward, uh, what happens to our brain space? And it's automatic response. We actually can't control it. Our body goes into fight and flight mode. We actually get ready to handle stress, to handle pressure, to handle a challenge. So our body, uh, the initial hormonal response is epinephrine, adrenaline, cortisol, which are movement drugs for fight and flight. So as soon as the body feels like it's threatened or it's under stress, it wants to get the hell out of there or it's going to turn and fight. That's pretty exciting, yeah? So our body gets ready for that. Now, what happens uh, physiologically, as you know, is uh, when you're under stress or you can feel that there's pressure, uh, you get an increased heart rate, uh, you get uh, increased blood pressure because uh, we've got the blood starting to pump uh, really fast through your body to get you ready to, to flight or fight. Uh, you have an increase in blood sugar levels. So uh, the hormonal system releases, the catecholamines release energy out of the cells into the bloodstream to get you ready to go. And obviously when you're in the phosphate system, the fight and flight 100% get the hell out of there or fight system, uh, that energy source is carbohydrate. So you have an increase in blood sugar levels and you have an increase in blood fat levels, cholesterol levels, so that you can go. And that's really awesome <laughs> because... When your body is stressed, it gets ready. It gets ready to handle it. So there's a question. If you knew that there was going to be some kind of medical health challenge that was going to take over the world, somebody or something was going to attack the world with a virus, do you like my virus? <laughs> what would you do as an exercise professional, as a parent, as a teacher, a coach, to prepare the world for that particular challenge and it's going to be a medical challenge. So you're sitting down with a group of really smart people, government leaders apparently are very smart, medical professionals are very smart, public health people are supposed to be very smart and you're sitting down with them as an exercise professional and your responsibility now is to get the world ready uh, for being attacked by a virus, by uh, being attacked by something that the human body is going to have to fight. So you actually can't run away from this one, you can't hide, you can't panic, you actually have to turn and fight. What would you do physically to get the body ready to be able to fight a virus, a germ, a bug, a disease? And I think this is a really important question. It's a very controversial question. I'm not trying to upset anybody, offend anybody, hurt anybody's feelings. I just would like for us as adults 
to consider what would be the right thing to do if we're going to get people ready to handle a medical challenge. Now, let's take the virus out of it for a minute. It's not a virus now. Let's say it's a coronary heart disease, type 2 diabetes, obesity, osteoporosis, depression, cardiovascular disease, Alzheimer's, dementia, mental health challenges. If you were responsible for the public health, so the health of a nation, the health of a community, the health of the world, let's say you worked for the World Health Organization, uh, how would you handle, how would you uh, prepare, how would you prevent and or cure, control those big medical pandemics? And it's really interesting because the word pandemic has become very popular and we use it a lot lately. But we've had a lot of medical pandemics for a very long time. Coronary heart disease has been a medical pandemic worldwide since I've been an exercise professional. So the number one killer in the world, when I started as an exercise professional and I was 13 years young, it was heart disease. People, the biggest killer in the world was heart disease. Uh, it, then there was an argument, and this is a very interesting argument that I never want to get into, but the, the, the heart specialists will argue with the uh, endocrinologists that type 2 diabetes kills more people now than heart disease. There's an argument to say, no, heart, we kill more people, there's the heart disease people, and no, we kill more people, say the endocrinologists. Well, what a silly argument. What could we do to prevent and cure coronary heart disease and type 2 diabetes? And if you put those two together and you could wrap that up with anything that is affected by a hose or an artery or a vein or a capillary, any, any, anywhere in your body where there has to be blood flow, oxygen supply, vitamins, minerals, phytochemicals, antioxidants have to get somewhere in your body, that's called uh, circulation. <laughs> And if I want to make sure that everything is circulating effectively, so I'm getting blood and oxygen to my heart so I don't have a heart attack, blood and oxygen to my brain so I don't have a stroke, blood and oxygen, vitamins, minerals, phytochemicals and antioxidants to every part of my body, my immune system, my fingers and my toes, because one of the big challenges with type 2 diabetes is that circulation process slows down and or stops. So blood supply and circulation to fingers and toes stops, so people have to get their fingers and toes uh, arms and legs amputated. One of the biggest reasons for amputation in the Western world is type 2 diabetes, cardiovascular disease, uh, where we have a restriction of blood flow, oxygen supply and nutrient supply to the places that need it, which of course is the whole body. One of the biggest causes of blindness in the Western world now is type 2 diabetes, cardiovascular disease, because blood flow can't get to the eyes. Uh, there's a big challenge for blokes, particularly more mature blokes who'd really like to have an erect penis when they want one. But if you have cardiovascular disease, if you have a lack of oxygen, nutrient and uh, blood supply to certain parts of your body, uh, that can be very frustrating for people, very annoying. But what if you could, what if you could prevent it and cure it? As an exercise professional, and the medical professionals know the answers to all of this, but as an exercise professional, I reckon you know the answer too. But let's just say we don't have any education. Let's just say we said to anybody who can understand what the question that we're asking, if you were your own high-performance eating and exercise coach, what advice would you give yourself to make sure that you have a body that works effectively? If you don't want to get coronary heart disease, type 2 diabetes, osteoporosis, depression, if you don't want to become obese, if you want to make sure that you're physically and mentally tough and strong, what advice would you give yourself 
to make sure that you can be all of those things. And where I get really excited about this, and I've got to be careful because it's a very controversial topic, I understand that. But I've never, and I ask that question of everybody, and I've been an exercise professional for over 40 years, and I've always asked my clients, everybody I've come in contact with, I'm not the person to tell people what to do. I always ask, if you were your own high-performance eating and exercise coach, what advice would you give yourself? And here's some advice that nobody has ever said to me. I think, Rowie, that I should uh, dehydrate myself. I should eat, take away food three meals a day, five days, seven days a week. I should drink copious amounts of alcohol, take pharmaceutical and recreational drugs. I should eat a large amount of non-nutritional food and I should have very, very poor sleep and I should never go out into the sunshine and I should never get fresh air. Nobody has ever said that to me. <laughs> I believe as humans, we're really smart and we can figure out for ourselves that it would probably be a really good idea to get some fresh air and sunshine. If we want to have oxygen supply and we want to have vitamin D, for example, which only gets produced when we get some sunlight, uh, and there's an argument that you can take a pill for that, but come on, this, the body produces vitamin D when we get out in the sun. So if I, get, if I get fresh air, I get vitamin D from the sun. If I move my body, uh, who, could, who would ever think that the human body was designed to sit down? It doesn't matter how you look, even if you're not trained in any kind of biomechanics. If you have a look at how the body's structured, how the spine looks in the upright position, if you put the body in a seated position, it just doesn't, it just doesn't even look right. Who invented sitting? I don't know. To, to force the human body to sit down. We're meant to lie down when we're sleeping and sleep deeply and we're meant to stand up and then we're meant to move. Since when was the human body ever designed to sit in a chair, sit at the, on the couch, sit in the car, sit at the office desk, sit in the school desk? The human body's always been designed to be in the upright position. So what if we got fresh air and sunshine, we, were, we remained mostly in the upright position? Uh, if we are really fit and really strong, what happens to the body? And I, I don't think we need to be a, a, an anatomist or a physiologist or a medical professional to think, wow, if I get puffed and I get strong, so if I get fit and I get strong, is it possible that my entire body will work better, including my body's ability to burn everything that I put into it? all the systems in my body, and I'll use some simple ones like if I'm thirsty, if that system's working, uh, my body will tell me if I need to hydrate. If I'm hungry, if that system's working, then my body will tell me to eat food. If I'm full, if that system's working, my body will say, hey, Roe, stop eating, we're full here. <laughs> uh, is it possible that if I've got a fit, strong body with a strong immune system, that when uh, I get attacked by a germ bug or a virus, and I'll use this as an interesting example, I'm sure you've, this has happened to you or you've met people where they've been in an environment, and we used to say this uh, pre-worldwide medical pandemic virus, we used to say, oh, I'm a bit sick because there's a virus going around, or I'm a bit sick because there's a flu going around, or I'm a bit sick because I've got a runny nose and a cold. Isn't it interesting, though, that you could have 50 people in a room, uh, little kids with runny noses and germs and, and dirties, dogs and all sorts of germs and bugs and, and, and yucky things floating around in a room and on surfaces. And if there's 50 people in that room, maybe one or two or 10 or even 20 people would get sick, but not everybody gets sick. Why is that, that there are some people that have an immune system that can fight 
germs and bugs and viruses and diseases. They can go into any horrible situation full of yucky and come out of there without getting sick. Why is that? So here's a really interesting and very confrontational question. If you were sitting on a, a government board, if you were sitting on a medical public health board, if you were part of the governing of a country or a, a community or a state, and you were asked, how are we going to get people ready to handle a worldwide medical crisis, medical pandemic? And first of all, I would love to think that we would stop using the word crisis because automatically that puts the body into stress mode. And if you're not fit and strong, you're likely to panic in that situation. And one of the biggest medical challenges in the world right now, the biggest killers in the world is stress and panic. Because when you're stressed and panic, your body shuts down and can't do anything effectively, include fighting germs, bugs, viruses and diseases. And what causes stress and panic? Could it be fear? Could it be scary words? Could it be uh, frightening our kids? Oh, you could die. Uh, what does that do to a child's brain when we talk to them about you could die? How about this? How could we stay so fit and so healthy and so strong that it doesn't matter what attacks us, we've got every chance of fighting that germ, bug, virus or disease? So if I were to sit on that public health board and I ask this question, Let's come up with the very best way to get a community, a country, a city, the world healthy to be able to handle a big crisis, medical crisis. We know it's coming. What would we do to handle it? As when I ask people, what do you think you should eat and how you should exercise, people never ever say to me, I think I should be lazy, undisciplined, don't do any exercise and eat crappy food. Nobody ever says that to me. I don't think that the public health advice would come like this. I think that we should lock people in a hotel room for two weeks with air-conditioned air, no fresh sunshine, fresh air. Uh, they can't do any exercise because there's practically no room to do that. And we should feed them highly processed crappy food for two weeks. I think that's a really great way to prepare people to handle a virus, a germ, a bug or a disease. And as I stand here, I'm, as you can see, I'm trying very hard to be non-controversial and, and I certainly, I understand that being angry about something or being annoyed or frustrated doesn't change it. But I have to ask this question. I think we're smarter than that. I don't know who on earth considered that locking somebody away for two weeks on their own. And let's have a look at some of the neurotransmitters that could be affected. So if I'm locked away and if I'm stressed about catching a germ, a bug, a virus or, or a disease, I'm now under stress. So my body is producing epinephrine, adrenaline and cortisol. I've got increased blood pressure. I've got increased resting heart rate. I've got increased blood sugar levels and increased blood fat levels. If I wanted to get cardiovascular disease, type 2 diabetes, have a stroke, have a heart attack, that's the perfect storm. If somebody's about to have a heart attack, if somebody's about to get really sick, that's what goes on in their body. They have an elevated heart rate, high blood pressure, high blood sugar levels, and high cholesterol levels. They are all the, the things that come together to create sick. Well, very simple to create that situation when I'm putting, locking them, locking somebody away, no fresh air, no sunshine, and no ability to disperse those movement drugs. Because technically, epinephrine, adrenaline, and cortisol are not dangerous. Those movement neurotransmitters, the movement drugs, 
uh, the stress fight and flight drugs, they're really good because they get our body prepared to flight or fight. Uh, it, we need them. We wouldn't get up in the morning if we didn't produce epinephrine and adrenaline. That, they're the things that get us up and going and, and moving. They're the movement drugs. But if I'm producing those with stress, but I'm not dispersing them, I'm now in an elevated state of sick. If I want to get sick, that's exactly the way I would, I would set somebody up to get sick. So imagine this. Uh, if you were a world leader, and wouldn't it be really special if this particular message might actually get to a world leader, if you are one, if you're a government leader, if you're a public health official, if you're a director general of health, I always think that's a very important sounding position. What if we didn't lock people up for two weeks? What if we didn't lock people in their houses? What if we didn't create stressful situations where our kids and our grandparents were scared of dying? Like, I don't want to put people in that situation. I don't ever even like the word can't. I can't handle that. I can't do that. I can't make that happen. I always ask, how can I? So I'm asking all of us as adults, as parents, as teachers, as coaches, as bosses, as leaders, as politicians, government, medical health officials, World Health Organization, CDC, FDA, all the different acronyms we've had heard constantly thrown at us of late. If we could come up with the perfect solution to a worldwide medical pandemic virus crisis, I'm just going to give you a little hypothetical. Remember, I'm an old lady. I've been an exercise professional for over 40 years, and I'm healthy, fit, and strong. I haven't been sick for as long as I can remember, and I've been the same weight, the same size, the same energy level, and I'm probably the most passionate, positive person that I've ever met. So I'm constantly thinking of solutions. My solution would not be to lock people away for two weeks in an air-conditioned room with no sunshine, no fresh air, crappy food, and no ability to exercise. Just as an interesting side note, I've had lots of people in my life that have been to what I call happy hotel stay. I can't use those horrible words that the world has been using in relationship to this, this thing. The reason for that is that those words cause panic. So, if, And I'll, I'm going to just sneak it out very quietly. If I lock somebody down into quarantine, that in itself, lockdown, quarantine, isolation, horrible words. So I've used happy homestay and happy hotel stay to try and make that a more positive experience. And I've had some students, some business colleagues, some very special people in my life that have gone into happy hotel stay. And I've, of course, like you, unless you've lived under a rock somewhere, have been in happy homestay. I've called it happy homestay. Uh, and every single person I know that has done this, it's, it's, it's been a different experience. They have used that time frame to get fitter, to get stronger, and to get healthier. Now, that's a very difficult thing to do when you're locked in a room with air-conditioned air, no fresh air, no sunshine, crappy food, but... They've ordered their food in. They've had somebody in their life who's delivered their food. They've made sure that they've had really uh, excellent source of water, so they've maintained their hydration. They've aimed in some way, shape, or form to get fresh air. And for some people, that means they had to sneak out. They had to probably do some stuff that... Uh, and for some people in Happy Hotels Day, they got to go outside and walk for an hour. But they never walked. They ran, they sprinted, they jump-squatted, they push-upped. 
Uh, I had people who uh, they were given a 20 litre bottle of water to have in their happy hotel stay room and they used that to do squats with and to do lunges with and to do uh, rows with and they did push-ups and dips and sprinted up and down their room. I had one of my students who got in trouble because the person underneath complained that there was banging on the ceiling and that's because she was doing regular exercise. When I talk about exercise, high intense, getting puffed, sprinting on the spot, jump squats, push-ups, dips, high intense, 100% activity exercise to get rid of, to disperse the stress. Because that's the beautiful thing about that phosphate system. When you've got elevated blood fats, elevated blood fats, elevated blood sugars, uh, elevated heart rate, blood pressure, heart rate, if you get puffed, you now disperse all of those and now you have dopamine, serotonin, brain-derived neurotropic factor, fertilizer for your brain and you feel better. Now one of the things that's been horrible about happy homestays and happy hotel stays is the lack of communication, the isolation Uh, and that's the important thing about uh, the, the neurotransmitter called oxytocin is a connection drug. And there's a bit of an argument there that you can't get that oxytocin oxytocin, uh, transmitting through a screen, that it's really important to get your oxytocin from touching animals, from patting a pet, from cuddling a person. So I'll go back to my original question. What if, as a politician, as a world leader, as a government official responsible for the health, the public health of people, what if... And I had a conversation with somebody from a small island in Australia called Tasmania. And I live on an island in New Zealand, (laughs) an island where this could have been the perfect uh, scenario. And when I say perfect, I'll share it with you first and you get to decide. Imagine if uh, there's a worldwide medical challenge and there's now a rule that you have to go into a happy boot camp. So before you come into the country, you can't, and even if you are a, a citizen of that country, you can't come back into that country unless you go into happy boot camp. However, there's some tick boxes, some rules and regulations for happy boot camp. And as soon as you can tick the boxes, you'll obviously have a body that can fight germs, bugs, viruses, and diseases so that you can then go into society. So imagine if you had to have your resting heart rate checked and you had to have a really healthy resting heart rate, which is a sign of fitness and an ability to handle stress. If you had a uh, normal and healthy blood pressure, which is a sign that vitamins, minerals, phytochemicals, antioxidants, blood and oxygen are going through your body without without stress, which means there's, there's no things, there's no pressure clogging your arteries. And the challenge, of course, with your arteries, your hoses, your, your veins, your capillaries, is if you've got those big glucose, uh, blood sugar, remember, is a big challenge for type 2 diabetes. And glucose is a big molecule. And what happens is that big molecule that, that gets into your bloodstream bashes up against your arteries, against your hoses, as I call them, because they're big. And what happens is they cause nicks and cuts and potholes in your arteries. And that then means when you've got blood fat in your arteries, cholesterol, that the cholesterol can stick on to the inside of your artery, which then causes blockages. 
which means if you have blockage to your heart, I'll share again, you'll have a heart attack. If you have blockage to your brain, you'll have a stroke. If you have blockage to behind your eyes, you'll go blind. If you have blockages to your fingers and toes, you'll have to have amputations. That's called cardiovascular disease. And that's caused from high blood sugar levels and high blood fat levels. But if you disperse those, now you have no challenge with that. If you're fit and strong and you're burning up the sugar, if you're fit and strong and you're burning up the fat, if you're fit and strong and you're burning up the food and calories that you put into your body, you don't have challenges with any of those things. And because you've dispersed the stress, which comes from high intense activity, sprinting and lifting heavy, you now have a body that's fit and strong and can handle all of those challenges. So imagine that you're coming into the country and you have to have your resting heart rate checked, you have to have your blood pressure checked and it has to be normal, healthy range. You have to have your blood sugar levels tested. Tested. You've heard that word a lot lately, tested. You have to have your cholesterol levels tested. And there's an argument here and a very controversial argument about your weight. Interestingly, one of the big challenges with this particular medical uh, worldwide pandemic, I'll call it, uh, is that it's really affected people that are overweight. Now, not overweight and healthy, because you can be overweight and healthy. You can be overweight and have low resting heart rate, normal blood pressure, normal blood sugar levels, and normal blood fat levels, and be perfectly healthy. But unfortunately, usually what comes along with being overweight, obese, morbidly obese, you usually then have high resting heart rate, high blood pressure, high blood sugar levels and high cholesterol levels, which is why there's such a big challenge when your body then gets hit with a germ bug virus or disease. So there's an argument to say that you'd need to be a certain weight, but I get that there's a lot of controversy about expecting people to be a certain weight. So what if they were just simple biomarkers, normal resting heart rate, healthy blood pressure, low blood sugar levels, low cholesterol levels, and you couldn't leave happy boot camp until you had all of those. Because if you are a body that is fit and strong, and there's a really cool thing that happy boot camp would make sure, that you couldn't leave happy boot camp until you pass some kind of fitness test, I'm going to say the word test again, and some kind of strength test so that we know that you've got strong muscles pulling on strong bones, which means you've got a strong immune system, and you've got a healthy, fit, strong heart and lungs that can make sure that you've got vitamins, minerals, phytochemicals, and antioxidants running through your body. And there's a great question to be asked. What's the use of getting vitamin, or your body producing vitamin D from going in the sunshine, uh, eating fresh fruit and vegetables and getting vitamins, minerals, and phytochemicals from those if you don't have a body that can disperse those well? So the thing about being physically fit is that you actually can get put the vitamins, minerals, phytochemicals and antioxidants in th into the right places. So imagine that. Imagine if we forced people, we mandated, I hate that word, but I'm going to use it. We tested people and made sure that they had a healthy resting heart rate, healthy blood pressure, low blood sugar levels, low cholesterol levels or healthy, healthy range for both of those. And they were really fit and really strong so that we knew that if they ever got attacked by a germ bug virus or disease, any germ bug virus or disease, not just the current one, but if we wanted to fight all the other medical pandemics that are costing the governments of the world a fortune, if you think that this horrible thing that we've had in the world, this medical challenge, has cost the governments lots of money, 
Millions of people die every year worldwide of coronary heart disease, type 2 diabetes. Osteoporosis is a major killer. We've got kids now with bone thinning disease osteoporosis because they're sitting all the time instead of active. Depression and anxiety and mental health challenges have become an enormous pandemic before we had this medical pandemic. What if those biomarkers, or I'll ask the question, do you think that if I was fit and strong, and if I had a low resting heart rate, healthy blood pressure, healthy blood sugar levels, healthy cholesterol levels, and I was eating healthy food and doing regular exercise that I could stay fit and strong, is it possible that every human being would be able to fight germs, bugs, viruses, and diseases better? And I'll go a step further because the medical professionals in the world who are really serious about preventing horrible diseases and or curing horrible diseases will all share this beautiful statement. Exercise is medicine and medicine is exercise. It's one of my favorite expressions, of course, because I'm an exercise professional. The reason I call myself an exercise professional, not a fitness professional, not a personal trainer, is that exercise is medicine and exercise covers a lot of things. There's obviously fitness, there's strength, there's endurance, flexibility, mental toughness. But if I get puffed and get fit, if I lift heavy and get strong, I'm going to cover off all of those things. And that medicine, that exercise that is medicine and medicine is exercise, if everybody was injecting themselves with a, a dose of exercise every day, if not multiple times throughout the day, what would happen to our ability to fight germs, bugs, viruses and diseases as an adult as a teacher as a parent as a coach as a boss as a leader as a politician as a worldwide leader as a director general of health there's that very important label again what if we ask the question what would I do if I could go back to zero based thinking and start from scratch knowing that perhaps there was going to be medical challenges in the world or a worldwide pandemic, I'll use the word again, what would we do to prepare our world to be able to handle that pandemic? Would we lock people away for two weeks with no fresh air, no sunshine, crappy food and air-conditioned air, with nothing to do except watch negative, scary television and expect that their body would be able to fight germs, bugs, viruses and diseases. I think it's a very controversial hot topic that may get me into lots of trouble, but I don't care anymore because I'm an old lady with a passion for helping people to be healthy, fit and strong. And I don't want our kids to grow up in a world where it's normal to be sick to be diseased, to have a virus, to have osteoporosis, to be obese, to have coronary heart disease, to have type 2 diabetes. I don't want, a kids, I don't want our kids to grow up in that world. I want our kids to be out playing in the fresh air and the sunshine. I want them to love their exercise, love their food, have a positive attitude, and when stress comes along to be excited by it because they've got a fit, strong body that when they produce epinephrine, adrenaline, and cortisol, the stress drugs, they can sprint, they can punch, they can kick, they can fight back and make sure that their body can handle any challenge. That's my goal as, a, as an adult for our future and for our kids what do you want for your future, for your kids, for your world? And I think it's a really important and very personal question. What do you want?